I'd like to give a talk today called No Rehearsal. <clears throat> Elorza, do you know the word rehearsal? Ensayo, creo. Preparando para un, una obra de teatro. Teatro. I have a friend who has an incredibly beautiful voice. I love to hear her sing. She's, people say that phrase, like, sings like an angel. And there is a feeling of heaven when she sings. <laughs> and one time, the time that I heard her voice with the most uh, power, she was asking a question. She was just saying what her question was to a group of people at the end of a Dharma program. <clears throat> and it was something like, when will I be able to sing with my full heart? Something like that. And she had grown up, and she, as a child, also sang well, and so she had a lot of training because she was so good, and so it got complicated for her. She was good at it. She does love music, but now, because she was so good and got so much training, <laughs> it's hard for her to let her voice fly freely. And I think that there are ways that we are like her, all of us. It easily happens when there's something that comes easily to us, that other people agree is nice. <laughs> Sometimes what comes e easily to us, other people don't <laughs> appreciate. <laughs> but um, if it comes easily and people appreciate it, then we get rewarded and so instead of staying home with how we love to hear the sound of our own voice, <laughs> we love that reward. And then, of course, we hate the sense of failure if it didn't come out right or it came out right, but no one appreciated it out loud. And we start to get divided from ourselves, from our own life. So a kind of second title to the talk is Carefree Responsibility. Carefree Ability to Respond. Usually if we hear the word responsibility, the shoulders go up. Or the hands go out like, no. Yes, <laughs> yes sir, yes ma'am, or no. <laughs> or, you didn't mean me. <laughs> <laughs> so they can go up or down or back, but <laughs> some reaction is often there when we hear that word.
And so it's good to notice, to get the clues, to get the, also the body language, to read our own body language when I'm in reaction. Yes, no, or not me. <laughs> I don't want to be here. But not just so that we can kind of then better control our lives and perform somehow in a way that will be more pleasing to someone. But so that we are right in the middle of our lives, which partly means we're in touch with resources that are vast beyond conception beyond our imagination. And so if, if you think of a time, a moment, that maybe, for example, you were there for someone who needed you to be there for them, you can feel how it was beyond you, what was happening. Even maybe after a while you're like, okay, how long is this going to go on? But still, you were there. The love stronger than what you imagined. Five minutes was enough. And when it ended up being five hours, something else was enough with you, through you, together, there. When there's an experience of clarity and you know, like, you couldn't have come up with that by yourself. It came. Or you heard yourself say something that you resonate with. And not that kind of, oh, that's clever. (laughs) That will sound good. I'll get a reward for that. But a deep sounding, resounding, something that perforates performance. Even if I would be performing on top of that, it's so deep and resonates with the deep heart. That we get a sense that this is it, this is the real life. This is not preparation for something else. Many times people have the question, especially towards the end of a retreat, okay, on this retreat, I have a different perspective, maybe, about what's important, what I want to be in the center of my life. But I also see that the mind gets busy with superficial things or with old things, with painful things, with separation. So who am I to have this deep perspective? And who is going to be responsible for all of this crap over here? And can't I just have that deeper, clearer, freer part? 
So we could imagine what if there was something or someone who would be responsible for the ways that we go small, the ways that we perform instead of living. What would that look like? Ah, I don't have to do it. So then what would help? I think we know that it's pretty simple. Warmth, acceptance, and seeing clearly without taking it as something more important than what it is. So even if it seems to be that huge drama of the anger that we repress for 20 years. So what? Warmth, being, meeting, not freaking out. Not making that aspect of real life into a drama. And not ignoring it. That's all. I think what often happens is we have maybe in the back room those things. <laughs> we hope that they would stay in the back room. And we travel through life hoping that they'll stay in the back room. Doing our best to deal with that stuff. But kind of, as much as we can, secretly dealing. so that nothing comes into contact with it, that no one quite sees it, how bad it really is. And it can be an important shift to come out of that doing mode, where I'm trying to do something, I'm doing my best to get rid of that crap. And what I mean by it's so simple is shifting into being mode. Once it so happened, and it probably happened millions of times, happens millions of times, there was a white man who was in Africa. And he saw some of the people from there sitting in the sun, talking, or not talking, for a long time. And something started to charge up in the white person, until finally he couldn't hold back, and he went over and he said, what are you doing with your lives? Why don't you do something with your lives? And they said, we're living. And so that if we're lucky, we might have the question to be clear, okay, what shall I do now? We might be conscious enough to remember, ah, what shall I do now? Let me set an intention of what shall I do now? 
And what if we could shift into another kind of question of, shall I do something now? Shall I do anything? We don't trust being, we trust doing because of the culture, because of what we talked about in the previous days, that wishing to grasp what isn't graspable. And we may have heard this phrase, middle way, and we get the feeling that, okay, there are extremes, so let me kind of average them out, and that will be the right thing. And somehow that's misleading. That would be a misunderstanding of finding the middle path. So if we could say, okay, doing actually seems to make my crap worse. Let me just try being. Let me try being in my life. As it is. Let me accept this is it. And be here. This is the sacred circle. All of that is the sacred geography. Can we feel how in that being, in the letting go of doing, when it is possible, when it happens, what can look like complete passivity acts. Like real acts. Not acting. Can we feel how when we've entered being, when we've been overwhelmed by being, something is more active than we could ever be. Maybe just sitting in the sun, maybe talking, maybe not talking. So two things to notice when we get overcome by an immense being. When I don't feel compelled to do, something that is humming with power is active, is more active than when I'm busy doing. And it's good, not like good, bad, good. We're in touch with the basic goodness of what is.
were less involved in what I like, don't like, what is scary, what makes me feel relaxed. At ease, we're in touch with the basic goodness and therefore the resources in things as they are. And I can let myself be infected by that basic goodness for a long time, for longer than I imagined. And it's good to know that often it happens, sometimes you might notice in the singing, we kind of slowly enter into the song, and then step by step there's kind of a jump, and the music gets a bit rounder and fuller, and another and another, and then sometimes it happens just when it starts to kind of really fill out, we think, ah, it's over now. Let's stop. That was the climax. Maybe that's the beginning. So sometimes we, let's say, entering into being, and it's so good, something in us wants to close the door a little too soon. So letting it open out and open out and open out. And also, we can notice letting ourselves be. Not saying that everything is right, correct, pleasant, positive. But feeling there's a sentence from Indian spirituality, as it is, so it is. They call it suchness. Sometimes it feels like muchness. <laughs> so getting familiar with muchness, where the mind might say, oh, it's too much. And something else says, ah, this is living. After a while, we feel to do something. We feel to move from that spot in the grass, or we feel to end the walk and go have some tea. Or we feel to leave the hall and go to bed, or whatever. Does that make sense? Giving ourselves to being instead of to doing. Within being, doing comes. With a lot of practice, we can start to feel that any kind of doing, even that hurried, distressed doing that comes from a sense of lack, is made of being, we could say. But it's much harder to feel that. Nearly impossible at first. It's good to know if we're trapped in that doing, we can trace back where does that doing get its energy to being? I'd like to give a simple practice that also can help us um, understand better and more finely. 
because the words don't do it, being and doing. So I've suggested once or twice feeling the back of the body and feeling the front of the body. And many, many people will notice that we're mostly in the front of the body, most of the time. And that that goes along with a kind of over-earnestness, like trying too hard. Even with the best intentions, trying to get it right, trying to catch what's exactly happening. And if we remember that what's happening is uncatchable. So that attempt to try to catch it is fundamentally (laughs) a disease, leading us to more and more sense of lack. When right behind, (laughs) coming more into a sense of being is okay. Just being here is enough. Coming more into the back of the body can help us um, de-traumatize, can help us take the charge out of our doing. So we can just simply notice how much we abandon the back of the body and coming more and more to live in the back as well as in the front. So I'm not saying abandon the front. Coming more into the back, letting the back be full. And there's a yoga teacher that I love who says that the front of the body can be unimaginably softer than what we're used to. She sees lot of our armoring here. And that by coming into the back, that softening can start to happen. So that, not just so that we get the posture right, (laughs) so that we're really here as we are, and we can really meet each other. Not with our armor, which hurts each other so hard. So that we can be together in touch with all of these resources, that the creativity can come through both of us, with all of those resources, all of those colors, all of that music allowed to come into play. If you've ever done any kind of spontaneous creative work, writing or painting or music, so improvisational music, for example. Being on that edge of the unknown does need for us to be here and soft. It's a kind of, I have this image of a photo that I've seen of a leopard in a tree in India. It's seems to be completely relaxed, hanging, just draped on the branch of the tree. 
And it seems that if in a split second anything would happen, the leopard would respond with everything. So not the middle way as an average between relaxed and <laughs> alert. <laughs> so, so relaxed and, and here, in aliveness, not like trying to be here and catching the sounds that I know I'm here, trusting that I'm allowed to be here in aliveness. I don't have to get it right. There's nothing to get right. It's already good. And the response would be like springing so much faster than our imagination could get anywhere. So I said alert, but it's not really the the right word, but we could say responsive, alive. So it's almost the opposite of the average of relaxed and alert, at ease in aliveness, almost like two extremes that can only be if we reach the extreme. So the middle way, like kind of surfing between the dangers of being overly alert and then not being here, not being in touch with our aliveness, doing, surfing between the two. We can know it's a paradox that can continually feel on the edge of the unknown, practically terrified. Not necessarily that later on, ah, no problem, just like brushing my teeth. No, on the edge of the unknown. With death. At hand. In aliveness. So when we're in aliveness, death is welcome. Not that I try to leave. But the fact of death as part of aliveness is part of being here. It's a, it's a funny anecdote, but it can help. Have you heard of Oprah Winfrey? I don't know because I am not often in the United States, but she is from the United States and she used to be and maybe still is, I think, the richest woman in the United States, I think. <coughs> and she's on television. That's her main thing. <clears throat> and she's continually doing these larger than life size projects. Her magazine is called, I think it's called the O Magazine, and she's always on the cover. <laughs> Usually a magazine would be pride itself in having different, different models on the cover. <laughs> it's Oprah in springtime, and Oprah, <laughs> etc. <cetera. clears throat> Oprah with her hair up, Oprah with her hair down. <laughs> she would seem to be a woman with confidence. <laughs> <laughs> 
And she says when that kind of crazy <laughs> idea comes to her, it still comes into her mind, the sentence, who do you think you are to do that? Just who do you think you are? So from the leopard surfing, it would be, we could finish the sentence differently. (laughs) Just who do you think you are? Not to let life have you completely and give you completely and give to you completely. So what is that I, who do you think you are, who do I think I am? It can be tricky to think about and work with what is the I. I have a friend who sometimes (coughs) teaches with me, Brian Tucker, who, who gives a great example of himself asking his older brother, much older brother, who would be very likely to say, who do you think you are to meditate? (laughs) What in the world are you doing with your life? And so Brian, at one point, responded, well, just tell me a time that you feel less sense of I, less sense of yourself and your world. And his, Brian's brother immediately said, well, it's when my Christian wife g- takes the kiss at church, I'm Jewish, I stay home, and I mow the grass. And I think he had one of those big American vehicles <laughs> <laughs> to mow the grass with, not like a <laughs> sort of hand push <laughs> mower. <laughs> When I mow the grass on Sunday morning when the rest of the family is at church, I feel good. I don't think much. And I love the example because it's so not (laughs) what we would imagine (laughs) as the correct response. But exactly, that's one kind of way in, inside us. Something that's so ordinary and maybe also repetitive, all that grass. (laughs) That I don't need to present myself, no one else is around. So like in the singing, that's one main reason that we keep singing the same thing over and over and over and over again longer than you could have imagined, maybe. So that it's not the special, the singing, waiting for the emotional peak. But uh, we're still singing. (laughs) So sometimes in just the ordinary everyday, 
may not be repetitive, may be repetitive. Where it's clear I'm not performing for anyone. And maybe it's very probably grounded in life, just washing the dishes, sweeping, whatever. There's not necessarily a charge. So if I would have an issue with my housemates about who does the sweeping, probably I won't disappear into the sweeping. <laughs> I'll be getting tense about why didn't I did it yesterday, so they should be. Isn't it there? Oh, no, I, no, they did it yesterday. Okay, so I can do it. Like this kind of negotiation. And we can also notice when the sense of I and therefore the sense of separation is not strong, when I lose myself in something because I'm enjoying it so much. So there's eating the beautiful food that's prepared here and the feeling that this is special and I've, I've got to also really feel the texture and taste the taste and notice the intention to swallow and, and there's really enjoying the sensuality of eating where slowly start to uh, even that part of the salad that I didn't expect to taste <laughs> mm. even what I didn't expect or didn't like I start to feel the aliveness of it first, and whether I agree or disagree with it later. So with this word responsibility, possibility that we can and do respond, whether we mean to or not, whether we want to or not, that we can also come into a responsive state of being, where we don't feel required to do it right, and therefore, <clears throat> when I feel required to do something, then I'm going to charge someone back later. <laughs> I'm doing it, but I'm going to get paid back. And so then I'm going to demand. When I know that it's not that I'm required to by something outside, but when I feel that that <clears throat> loving inner aliveness where I feel good even if I'm going through a difficult stretch. Because I'm in touch with the aliveness. I'm not in touch with my judgment of myself again going through the same. I'm in touch with the aliveness, the rawness, the tenderness. I'm in touch with how I'm being acted upon when I let myself be that open.
I am not acting. I am available to be acted on and through. It's a, it's a good position for the I. An I who is willing. Who is willing to feel, where is the trustworthy power? Which is love. And what is the power that gets warped into being untrustworthy, which is fear? Letting the eye feel the harmony of resting into the possibly terrifying, scary, open mouthed. <laughs> place of awe, where response happens. So what I'm encouraging you to feel is a totally different kind of confidence. Confidence, trusting with. So it's not confidence in me, myself. In me, myself, I know sometimes it comes out well, sometimes it doesn't. So I'm not trustworthy. I can't guarantee it will come out well. But the I can start to Feel how good it feels to rest into confidence, confidence in ease, confidence in being, confidence in space that can allow contraction without making much of it, feeling the suchness and the muchness of it, but not more than that. Confidence to be open, rather than confidence that I can do the job. Confidence that I don't have to do the job. And when we feel that we have to do the job, we can start to feel the charge building up. A good practice can be to quit the job and stay. As myself. Here I am. Like it? Okay. Not like it? Okay. But I sing. It might not sound like angels. It might. Confidence not to wait until you think you've got it right until you think you're good enough, until you think you're perfect. The thinking will sometimes go here, sometimes go there. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes pro, sometimes con.
another kind of yes, like a yes anyway. Your yes to life. Quitting the job. Which means not having an excuse to demand. Which means being left with the possibility of asking anyway. Can you feel in the front of the body I try and I demand. In the back of the body, I can receive. When I include the back of the body, I can receive. And I am radiating something beyond me. And I can let that come into form in a word or an act. Confidence for there to be a complete reorientation in your life. Reconstellation. We are mostly constellated around our suffering. We're used to thinking of that a deep conversation is when we talk about what really hurts. But when we really talk about the intimacy that we felt in our deep moments, intimacy with aliveness, let's say, with the mystery, with the unknown, we don't even dare <laughs> to find the words. It's easy for us to feel connected to our suffering. And unfortunately, I find that our culture really encourages us to inhabit our suffering and to let it take all of our life. And so then we can, it's really like barely a whisper, those other moments. And we easily forget those other moments. that perforate, perforate the performance of our tragedy. If we can feel, yes, it is good. Sometimes I can feel that it's good. I can feel the love. I can feel that the love has room for the fear. The fear doesn't have room for the love. I can feel how, oh, if, I could, if it were really my life, then I would. be that wide. If it were really that, if it were really my life, and this were really my only chance to say that word to that person, if it were me, I would. <laughs> but there are all these social reasons not to. It's complicated.
Are there any questions? Can we really let it sink in the ways that we perform for each other? The ways that I'm different when I'm with you than when I'm alone? What I put on for you to protect myself, to try to get your positive energy. get in the way of what is really wanted. They actually completely get in the way. The ways that I think that you think of me and how that takes up all the space. unless I practice, like right now, real life, instead of performing life. Then even if performing has taken over, even if I feel self-conscious, there's always more space. Even if I'm in fear, love is bigger. So just to play with keeping it that simple, even if it's a bit of a simplification, oversimplification. Am I in being or doing? Am I in love or fear? Am I in space or contraction? Am I in the I or what can include the I? We can get an experiential sense for if it works for you, feeling how you can feel in the front, the back, or both. The personal, the impersonal, or both. room for everything.
May our being at peace act in unimaginably soft, softening ways. May our being show May our being realize. And trust our ability to respond. May our being at peace realize aliveness.